Welcome to the HTML Energy Podcast. So today we have Omar Rizwan, who currently works as a researcher at Dynamic Land, a research lab founded by Brett Victor, which is located in the Bay Area. Omar is interested in programming as user interface, subway maps, computers, systems, low latency and fast feedback, provenance, unstructured spaces, qualitative methods, and the future. You can visit Omar's website at www.rsnous.com. What does the internet do to me? HTML energy. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, Omar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could you tell us, just to begin, about your Bell avatar? Sure. Um, I feel like the the explanation I give is always like kind of ad hoc and different every time. Um, I'm not wearing the necklace now, but um, so I grew up in New Jersey, uh, not too far from the lab, uh, from Bell Labs, and I had a lot of friends growing up whose parents had like originally moved there to work for the lab, and it was just like this kind of weird presence uh, growing up, and I feel like it's it stands for a certain kind of um, a certain kind of like corporate order and a certain kind of uh, research way of doing research that doesn't really exist anymore. This sort of very like mid-century like um, monopoly modernist logo, uh, and so I I've just kind of stuck with it over time. Cool. And, and, it's, and it's not being used, too, which is a shame. It's this, like, really super resonant symbol, and you only see it on, like, manhole covers and on the side of payphones these days. Right, so you're kind of giving it new life. Yeah, I kind of think of it that way. What does HTML energy mean to you, and how do you harness it? I guess, to me, I associate HTML energy with this kind of freshness and rawness of, like, just HTML. It's it's sort of like fresh vegetables or fresh meat or something, where it's like you're o- you're only working with like the purest form of the thing, and you're not uh, you're not bringing in a bunch of complicated tools. Um, you you're just kind of working with the raw material, and I guess like part of the reason that HTML energy resonates, I think, is because it's kind of sits in contrast to a lot of the trend in making websites. So there's something kind of fresh and new and revitalizing about HTML energy. Cool. Yeah. And do you harness that rawness yourself? Kind of on and off. Uh, I have like every time I go back to updating my website, uh, my personal website, I kind of try to rip more and more uh, dependencies out of it. Uh, I actually haven't updated it in a few months, but every time I go back, I'm like, this is much too complicated. It needs to be simpler. It needs to like be as much pure HTML as possible. Uh, because every time I go back to it, there's always all these tools that I used the last time I worked with it that I now don't know how to use. I'm like, but I still know HTML. And if it were just HTML, then I would, it would be a lot easier for me to change this thing. I, I want it to be as easy for me to do things as possible. And for a personal website, that kind of means it should just be HTML. And I think, like, that it's if I were making, like, a big web app or something and, like, working on it every day and, like, going into work and changing it, 
maybe that maybe that deserves all these fancy tools. But for my personal website that I only look at like every few weeks, uh, it feels like HTML is just a much more pure HTML is just a much more appropriate tool. Could you tell us a little bit about your work at uh, Dynamic Land and how you think uh, HTML energy um, works there? Yeah. Uh, so, so Dynamic Land, uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's this research lab where I work and we're building this big physical computing system. So the idea is that the computer takes up this whole room. Uh, so I don't want to go like all the way into it, but you know, there's a lot about it online. Um, and one, I think there's, there are a number of like interesting intersections with HTML energy in, in terms of the philosophy, uh, but also in terms of more concrete things that I've been playing around with. Um, like I think one, one of the ideas that's really core to what we do is that all the programs in this big computer we've made are editable. So the idea is if you come in, you're not just using the system, you're also reprogramming the system whenever you're using it. So we have all these pieces of paper everywhere and they all have the source code on them and you can point keyboard to one of them and change them. And it's very much like you know, the old school kind of view source that you could do in your web browser, where like, if you went to a web page, you could always view the source and change it. And it wasn't just that you were going around and consuming these really complicated apps. You're also, you could also learn from them to make your own uh, web page. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, more concretely, uh, I was showing Laurel when I was talking to her a few months ago, I've been playing with making some tools in dynamic land uh, to make web pages that then you can take outside dynamic land and show people, but you can use all these physical tools we have and kind of lay out a web page on your table and then turn that into a real web page and put that online. Uh, just cause uh, I think we kind of, we lost a lot. Part of the thesis of the research group is that we lost a lot when we moved from laying things out physically uh, on tables to being on screens with keyboards and mice. And we want to bring back some of that. Yeah. And could you explain just for people who don't know, like literally how that works? Um, just cause I've like, you know, Googled and seen your videos of like a big table in the room and like paper. Um, and then there's like some kind of video that's capturing what's going on when you move around paper. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, there's kind of, there's like a conceptual model and then there's like the way that it actually works. Uh, so the conceptual model is that like, um, there's this computer and it's made up of these little objects that are on the table, like pieces of paper, uh, or keyboards or whatever. And so you can interact with the computer by moving them around, uh, and pointing them at each other and things like that. And the way that works is, uh, we have a bunch of tables in the room and then the tables all have the programs on them and stuff. And then suspended above each table, there's a projector and a camera uh, and, you know, a server and some other stuff. And then those point down at the table and see what you're doing. Uh, so that way the computer, uh, the, so, so those kind of carry out uh, whatever you're trying to do on the table. So, so the camera can see like what you're moving around and the projector can display things on the, on the table based on what you're doing. So instead of a mouse and keyboard, you have this kind of camera and projector hardware setup. Yeah, the low like barrier to entry to like almost becoming like a programmer um, is really interesting to me. Like, um, yeah, at Dynamic Land, it seems like you know you're just moving around these like objects or these 
um, you know, stickers or whatever on a um, table and that's like you programming, um, right? Yeah. I, I mean, there's like different levels of programming. So there's also like a level where, you know, you take out a keyboard and you're actually editing uh, okay. programming code. Uh, but yeah, you can do a lot kind of just by taking these pieces that are already out there and just combining them in different ways, which is kind of what you're describing. Yeah, I guess I'm curious, like what you lose when you don't have that, obviously like the physical realm to play around in. I, and I know you've spoken about the difference between unstructured space and structured space. Mm-hmm. And obviously HTML is a very semantic language that's all mm-hmm. about meaning and structure. But yeah, what are those relationships like for you, I guess, when thinking about physical versus online or HTML space? Yeah, I mean, I think, I actually think that HTML is like a relatively, uh, more open place to play around than like if you use Squarespace or if you have like a, a Tumblr blog or something like that. Like I think HTML is it's almost like as open as you can get while still being online. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the way I think about HTML. Um, yeah. So I mean, one thing that working with the dynamic line system has made me realize is that uh, when you do things in the physical world, you're a lot less dependent on the software to do stuff. So like, you know, if I have a program in front of me and I want to like write a comment on it or, or take notes about what it's doing or like give people instructions about how to use it, I can just write those down and stick them to the program because it's just a piece of paper. Uh, whereas in the computer, you know, there have to be some like annotation feature in the software or, or whatever. And, and so you just get a lot of those kinds of things for free where, because the software builds on top of this existing unstructured space of the real world. I think that the there's this whole agenda, there was this whole agenda with HTML of like separating presentation from content and like, you know, slicing up your content really finely in the HTML and then styling it separately. And I kind of think that was a mistake. I think that your presentation, your content are like not really separable in that way. And this is sort of a misguided quest from the beginning. Um, you mean like with, the advent of like CMSs and things like that, or um... I would I would say even going further back to the idea of like separating HTML, HTML and, and CSS, mm. uh, and then making all these, and then you know taking there used to be like the font tag and the bold tag and like the italic tag and, and things like that, and they kind of took them out or said you sh- you're not supposed to use them. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. There's some part of me that really loves like writing inline CSS. So uh, I think, I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's exactly the same. I think the, the part of you, the part of you that likes that, like, I think there's, there's a lot to learn from that. Like the idea of just like having everything in one place and like working on it as a whole, instead of kind of, uh, fitting everything in this, like building this weird structure and then fitting everything in the structure and then styling the structure separately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also something like kind of physical about like having everything self-contained within one document or like one space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it also, I think it, like it suits like the, uh, like, 
personal, like I'm just making this one thing and every part of it a special way of writing web pages really well. I think CSS makes more sense if you're like, okay, I'm a big organization, I'm making this big app and I want to style like all these parts of it the same because they're all just like uh, components. Whereas if, if like I'm just writing my personal website, I don't need to style like 50 things to be the same because I'm, I'm making each part special. That's, that's cool. That sounds like a really fluid way of working. Um, maybe similar to like writing itself. Yeah. Um, oh, so I saw recently you were tweeting about your love of web inspector. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Web inspector is great. Yeah. Uh, what do you like so much about it? Yeah. So, um, I just use it a lot for like really mundane stuff. Like, uh, since I've been home, I've been printing a lot, just like recipes, but also papers and things like that, blog posts. And like half the time when I have to print something, it just doesn't come out properly. And I have to go into the web inspector and just fix things up. Um, and so it's this really just useful tool to have. On, like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the web inspector and I wanted to print print one of these blog posts where they never thought about somebody printing it. Um, and it's like a cool application of knowing HTML that actually doesn't have that much to do with making web pages. It's more like everything, all this other stuff is made in HTML, but by knowing HTML, I can like clean it up and fix it up, uh, to print out or like to take a screenshot of it to send somebody or whatever. Um, so I feel like it's a nice, it's like H knowing HTML is not just about making web pages. It's also about fixing up the web pages that you're looking at that other people made uh, for your own purposes. Hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that. Um, is there a website that you would bring back from the dead? Yeah. So, um, my answer to this is kind of this very, uh, like personal. So when I was in middle school, we made this, a bunch of kind of online friends and me, we made this Pokemon game. Uh, it was just like online, like MMO fan game. And it was like written in Java and we, we had this forum and we had this whole community around the game. Uh, and that, that would be what I would want to bring back. Cause there's just something really cool about, uh, about having this whole culture on this, on this forum. It was some, you know, free web forum that we got. And there's this whole culture that had grown up there around something we, we'd created and we would, you know, announce new versions of the game and people would get super excited. People made guilds and stuff. Uh, and so I kind of miss, miss those days of like just hanging out with people online uh, who I had no relationship with in real life. I don't think any of us knew each other's real names or where each other were or anything like that. Yeah. There seems to be maybe like a resurgence of like, uh, um, uh, developers and designers like wanting to like make like online communities like right now, especially yeah. because we're all inside um <laughs> i wonder like uh, um what kind of like online communities you like would like to see right now i mean i think it's it's like i feel like a lot of the online communities i've been in there was at least on the surface there was like some common interest and it might be that like you never actually talked about you'd never like you didn't that frequently talk about what the common interest was it was like, oh, we're all into this Pokemon fan game, or we're all into, you know, what are other, what are other things that I've been into, um, or, 
or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that, and so there's, there's this kind of this like pretense for people to get to get a role into visual basic or something, uh, or we're all into like Harry Potter fan fiction. And there's this kind of pretense for people to get together and like, you can always fall back to talking about that. Mm-hmm. So maybe like very specific. Um, yeah. 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 And this but kind of slides this like shared culture. Uh, and then, you know, you make friends with people, uh, and then that kind of friendship can persist even after the community's gone. But mm. I always felt like that was often the way that those things built up. But do you think that's like the old way? I mean, I guess I'm just curious, are you part of anything like that now? I don't think so. I mean, I think like the main, uh, online, kind of social community that I'm on now is just Twitter, which is made up of a lot of different sub things. Uh, mm-hmm. but it, but you're right that that does feel, it feels different in some ways. Uh, I think it feels similar in other ways. Like, you know, one, one comment I've made before is that I think people think that, uh, like the replacement for online forums was Reddit, like, cause Reddit has this kind of thread structure and, uh, you know, you can make posts, it feels like a forum in some ways on the surface, but I actually think that Twitter is almost more like these old online forums than Reddit is because it focuses much more on like people's profiles and people's personalities. And I think it's much better at, at relationship building than, than Reddit is. Could we ask you to describe your energy in just one word? Yeah. Someone last year described me as having a gentle energy and I can't, get that out of my head now. So I guess I'll go with that. Do you agree with it? Yeah, I think so. I guess while we're talking about things shifting because of being in quarantine, I'm curious how dynamic land has shifted as being a mostly physical uh, project. Um, have, have you as a team like learned anything surprising about yourselves or your project by moving to remote work? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And um, I, there's there's a lot of different answers. Uh, so we all have um, these lamps at home that are basically like a mini, mini versions of dynamic lamps. Uh, so there's just four of us right now, and each of us has one of these lamps in our house that covers basically a desk. Uh, and so there's a lot of, just on, on the project level, like on the object level, just like organizing, organizing my desk is a very different task than organizing, you know, this big office space where we normally work. And, you know, we, it's like much more geared toward, like when I'm organizing my desk here at home, I, I'm much more geared toward convenience and having everything at hand. Uh, and I'm a lot more comfortable just changing things around because there's not other people who are sharing the space with me. So we're learning a lot about, uh, how we work with the same system, but in this very different context. Um, I mean, we've, we've been trying to figure out different ways to coordinate with each other. Uh, like, you know, do we do calls? Do we email each other reports? Uh, do we take video of what we're doing? Do we narrate the video? Um, how do we stay synchronized? And, you know, obviously since everything's physical, we're, we're generally pretty reliant on like, uh, taking, recordings of what we're doing in the world since there's not, uh, you know, with a normal programming project, everything's on a laptop screen anyway. So it's a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, and I think at the high level, 
you know, it's also just difficult uh, since the current situation with the virus is at odds with a lot of the the goals we have of people being together in the same space and working together. Um, so it's it's definitely tough to not actually be able to do that and to kind of be cut off from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess I have like a few specific questions about your own website. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, maybe not that specific, but... I'm wondering with your own website, like how you made it and because you, you've talked about ripping out dependencies, like, could you just uh, run us through like why you created it and the kind of iterations and then literally how you update it these days? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think I, I originally made it, uh, probably like eight or nine years ago. Uh, it was, it was, I think at first, because I wanted to do some of those very early blog posts that you see on there, which are kind of somewhere between blog posts and essays. Uh, and I just needed a website, uh, to put them on. And back then it was, I wrote it using this like, uh, like Haskell, uh, static site generator, sort of like Jekyll. Um, and then a few years later, I was like, I can't even compile this thing anymore. So I ripped it out and replaced it with Hugo, which is this Go static site generator. Uh, and so now when I want to update it, I, I have this folder on my computer with all the markdown files and the configuration and stuff. And I run the static site generator. I change the stuff. I run the static site generator. And then I have a, a script that like re-uploads the whole, the website to Amazon, uh, cloud storage, which is where it's hosted. And like that works well enough. Um, it's like annoying enough that I don't update my website all that often, like every few months basically. So I really want to get to a point where updating my website is more on the order of like seconds or minutes of work instead of this whole process that I dread. And so don't do that often. Yeah, and uh, why does your website look the way it does? Or did you find any inspiration anywhere? I mean, I guess if I were to try to answer that question, I would say your website kind of reminds me of your Bell avatar in some <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, yeah, I think that 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 was part of it. Um, I'm trying to. I think there weren't a ton of. I think originally there was a bootstrap thing in the kind of first phase of website. And then I kind of ripped that out, but I kept some of those, uh, the, but I kept some of the things that have been based on it. Um, I think the things that I really, that were really conscious choices were having those thumbnails for all the projects. And I don't remember where I'd seen, I think I'd seen a couple people with websites like that. And that, that felt like the right choice to me. Uh, just like having these visual, uh, markers for the projects instead of just having like blocks of text or links. Um, yeah, I think, I think that that was the main thing. And then also, uh, making it responsive. So there's these columns, but when you open it on your phone, it compresses down to one. Yeah. I wasn't, I don't think I, I was trying to be, 
super ambitious with the website. Um, oh yeah. And also just like working backward from what I wanted the blog posts to look like. So the blog posts are kind of very simple, but they have uh, side notes on the side and things like that. So I wanted a homepage that matched what the blog posts looked like basically. Mm-hmm. What I like about it is it feels like a document and mm-hmm. there's like a directness to it that feels like it's being edited. Mm. Cool. Cool. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah. Um, now that, so HTML is like 27 years old. (laughs) I never did that math until now. That's pretty amazing. Where do you think HTML is going in the future? Yeah. I feel like there's, there's almost, there should be multiple HTMLs. Like I think there's the HTML of like a Google or Facebook where it's like this concrete that they're using as part of this huge system uh, to make, you know, the Facebook homepage or the Twitter homepage or Facebook messenger.com. And it's like, you know, if you look at the source code for those things, they're like monstrosities and there's all these divs everywhere and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, But I think, that works for what they're trying to do. But I hope that we'll have, you know, a different HTML for, you know, me making my, my homepage or people writing essays where they want to do really fancy custom stuff. And it, because it feels like those are just very different ways of working. And, you know, there shouldn't be one uh, set of tools or one language uh, or, or like one set of best practices to cover all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of like the talk these or nowadays about like different protocols like IPFS and yeah, um, yeah. even talking about like Gopher and still stuff. Um, yeah, seems similar to that maybe. Yeah, I think like one of the like one thing they talk about there is like you know sometimes you want to have things that'll be archived forever. Like if you're writing something that you're putting publishing and sometimes you're, you have ephemeral things. And I think like, yeah, I think HTML was originally made in the nineties for this, like these purposes of like, you know, science, scientific publishing and like personal homepages and things like that. And it's been stretched and distorted to cover all these other things. And I think it'll be nice to have HTML go back to those roots a little bit. How could you write an HTML page that was kind of like a letter to your future self? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I have a friend who, um, he, he does these online, like, interactive guides to, uh, to like, different ideas from game programming or whatever. Like, how do you make your agents in the game do pathfinding to figure out where to go? Things like that. And so, you know, he writes one of these guides and puts it online, and it's it's basically, it's, it'll be good for years, right? Because that's like, that idea is not going to change over time. And so he has a really interesting practice where, 
you know, he designs them to, to not have dependencies at all because he's like, if I want to change this thing in 10 years or 20 years, I don't want to have to run all these weird programs that I was using 20 years ago. Uh, so he just tries to stick to the raw HTML and just have it be the self-contained page because he because he's going to change it, you know, once every few years, not every day. That's really interesting. Who is that? Uh, I can I can send you uh, the link. This is uh, Amit Patel. It's at red redblobgames.com, I think is his website. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting to build for longevity. Um, I mean, it's kind of a challenge, but yeah. Recently, I was thinking about myself in like twenty years, <laughs> and I was thinking it would be cool to have the same website. I mean, not because I'm trying to build a new website, but mm -hmm. it's like kind of it's like quite a challenge actually, but I think a fruitful one. Um, but it makes me wonder if uh, HTML is still going to be the same when I'm fifty. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, some of it has been around for 27 years, apparently. Um, one, one other thing that I was thinking about earlier is, uh, like, different ways of editing HTML. Like, I think one of the appeal, like, part of the appeal of editing raw HTML is that all you need is a text editor, like Notepad or something like that. And then you hit save and you refresh your web browser. And so you're talking about, like, you know, a second or two, basically, to see what, you, what you've done. Whereas I think, you know, with, and, and like Notepad is really fast. It's a really simple program. Whereas I think with a lot of these CMSs or even online like web page editing tools, it's just a lot clunkier and slower because the whole thing is running in your web browser and it depends on the internet and all this other stuff. So it just doesn't have that satisfaction of like everything's on your computer and you can change it really quickly. What's your favorite HTML element? Yeah, so I really like, um, description lists. I don't know if you all are familiar with them. There's like a, there's like a few different elements in the like description list world. There's like DL and DT and DD. Uh, but, uh, description lists are like, they're kind of what you would do, what you would use if you were making a web page that was like a, supposed to be a dictionary. So you can, so a description list is made up of a bunch of description items and then each item there's like, you can have a, a term and then you can have a definition. And there's literally like ta a tag where you put the term inside and a tag where you put the definition inside. Uh, and, and it will, and like usually browsers will like bold the term and like make the definition italic or whatever. But I like it because it's, it's actually pretty useful and it's like really specific. It's not just like a lot of HTML elements like divs or even like header and footer and stuff like that. They're basically just a box where you put things inside it. Uh, but here it actually, like, I feel like this element, these elements kind of reach into the content and they're actually like, this is the slot where you put what the term is. And this is the slot where you put what the definition is. So it's like very specific, but it's still general enough to be useful in a lot of different contexts.